This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bayern Munich barely break a sweat to send Barcelona packing Chelsea. Stumble in St. Petersburg and snow in Bergamo prolongs the fight to qualify from Group F. The Champions League group stage is not quite over, but for 30 of the 32 teams involved, it is. I'm here with Jimmy Conrad and James Benj to look back on the good, the bad, the ugly, the snowy from Wednesday's matches. Kego Lasso, Champions League recap, the end or sort of the end with an asterisk group stage begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kego Lasso. Thank you so much for being part of the family. If you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word. And we want your comments. We want your questions. James Benj and Jimmy Conrad, they are geniuses. Geniuses, I tell you, and they'll answer anything that you want to know. And also, please, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify later on, don't forget to leave a rating and review. But please send those comments in. If you're a Barcelona fan, I want to hear from you. Definitely, by the way. So thank you so much for being part of the family. Jimmy Conrad, wearing Barcelona. I'm going to sell this on eBay for $5. How are you, bud? I am doing great because my bold prediction... Ahead of the Champions League, my big shock was that Barcelona would drop into the Europa League and Benfica would finish second. And I was right. So I'm patting myself on the back, even though I am wearing a Barcelona jersey. I did it to jinx him, okay? I did it well, to jinx Well, well done. <laughs> well done, Jimmy Conn. You did. And so did our producer, Des Norris. Des is always reminding us, and I'm scared that if I don't say anything, he'll just completely delete <laughs> us. James Bench, haven't seen you in a while, buddy. How are you? It's good to be back. Yeah, I'm also feeling good about some predictions i feel like what you do is you just talk about the ones you got right and <laughs> some of us said that salzburg would get out of their group and kareem adeyemi would be the star you of the did team. i read it i read it well done James. Go, but people think that's cleverer than it is because actually the secret to this is just every year just pick the best young player at salzburg <laughs> <laughs> we'll all like get massively excited about it and, and just i tweet about them loads i love it i love it so well done see i, I told you everybody geniuses i tell you today and we want to answer all your questions and send in your questions and your comments and keep them coming because this is uh, the asterisk almost the end of the group stages of the Champions League we'll talk about that in a second with Atalanta and Villarreal but let's begin uh, where the storm really just kept on brewing and the mountain just became Everest for Barcelona as they lost 3-0 to Bayern Munich uh, not many of us really thought otherwise actually it could have been more to be quite honest I thought it should have been like five nothing to Bayern Munich but Barcelona for the first time since 2000 and 2001 failed to make the Champions League Jimmy Conrad I'm gonna ask you something before you chime in they failed to make it I hope you didn't read my tweets but who who were in their group and how did they come third who came first and second in that group in 2000 2001 Oh, that's a. I didn't read your tweets. Okay, uh, sweet. One of them is an Italian club. 2000, 2001, Pablo Juventus, and I'll go with uh, like Dinamo Zagreb or something. Well, I was going to say, if you get the second one, amazing. James Bench, did you read my tweet? Did you read no, it? No, but I, 
I don't know. I just have a feeling that it was Fiorentina. Oh, is this so just close. that? It's just that period where Gabriel Batistuta was like romping through the, <laughs> the Nintendo League. jerseys. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was the end of his era, right? But no, it was AC Milan, and guess who came second? Leeds United. David O'Leary's oh, wow. Leeds United. Mark Viduka, Alan Smith, Harry Kuehl, Lucas Radebi. Uh, they went to the semi-finals Maybe. in 2001. But anyway, enough about Leeds, everybody. Barcelona, Jimmy Conrad. Fail, as you mentioned, of course, O'Leary's babies. That's right, there's Norris. Um, listen, Jimmy, you called it. Well done, sir. So let, let the floor is yours. Barcelona are out. Obviously, this is terribly symbolically from a playing perspective, but financially, my goodness, talk to me. Well, what I'll say first and foremost is that I made this prediction thinking that Ronald Koeman was still going to be in charge. And when Xavi came in, there was still a glimmer of hope that they could get out of the group. And when they didn't take their chances against Benfica on match day five at home is when you could tell. I mean, to go to Germany against the Bayern team, even if they rolled out a second team, wasn't going to be enough. They needed to get that result against Benfica at home, and they didn't do it, and I knew that was the kiss of death. And yes, I was still sweating it a little bit, but I knew that things would come good after 90 minutes, and, and sure enough. My big fear for Barcelona, if you're a fan of this club, I don't think you're good enough to win the Europa League. And so there are bigger problems here. It's not like you drop into a lesser competition and now you're the favorite. Now, I look at Borussia Dortmund when Erling Haaland's there and he's healthy and he's ready to go. I, I give them an outside chance of being a, a significant threat in the Europa League. But when I look at Barcelona, I don't because I don't know where their goals are going to come from. And they still don't look very good defensively. And Xavi's got a lot of work to do with this team. And I'm curious to see, because a, a lot's going to change for all these teams that we talk about. We have two months until the knockout rounds begin. So there's a January transfer window in there. And there's plenty of time for guys, significant players to get hurt. Uh, and so it, there's a lot that, that, that could change. But as it pertains to Barcelona, I don't know if they can make enough moves in Barcelona, especially without any or in the transfer window without any money to, to, to do anything that's going to change anything. Uh, Xavi's got his work to do. He's, he's, he's earning his paycheck for sure. And the funny thing is, it's not impossible that the Europa League ends up being their best route back into the Champions League. That's great. I mean, That's great. Good, great insight. There are some good teams that are going to be, have uh, got a bit of an advantage on them in La Liga. It really, so I didn't think they were dreadful early on, but it, you know, as Jimmy said, the real issue here is there's no one to put the ball in the net. Usman Dembele is running the lines, trying to create chances for himself. And I thought, you know, Dembele again was pretty good for a player that's played about a hundred minutes of football this year, mm -hmm. but Memphis has fallen off a cliff edge. I think there's just too much asked of him. And, uh, you know, aside from that, it, it, it's Ansu Fati kids and, and no one, I mean, I, I'm with Jimmy that I look at this team and say, are they in the top five contenders? You've got a, a clutch of good, uh, you've got a clutch of good German teams. You've got Napoli, probably West Ham, yeah, I would take every one of those teams that I've just mentioned there and a fair few others, and I would put them ahead of Barcelona if they don't make real changes. None of this is on Xavi. You know, the, the team played better tonight than it has done in, in previous Champions League None games. of it, James. None of it at all. They were pretty dressed. What are you supposed to do with this? Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, and Jordi Alba, got, I was, you felt when Jordi Alba went down as well, it was like, right, that's your... That's a huge attacking yeah. outlet. And look what Samuel Jackson on. did in Coach Carter. He did the best. Out of <laughs> <laughs> that's, maybe that's what they need, Coach Carter. Yeah, that's Magician. true. You do make a good point there. What can you do with these uh, players? Here's a call to action for everybody. How far will Barcelona go in the Europa League? Jimmy, you mentioned it. Obviously, Borussia Dortmund. Hey, Sevilla. 
They lose to win, baby. They lose to win. Uh, t- talk to me about Barcelona. How far can they go? And then, James, I want you to chime in as well. It's tough. If, if I, You guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but when you drop down from the Champions League, I don't think you play a number one, the number one seed from a group. You play, you play, yeah, round of 32, but you'll go play against a second seed, if I'm not mistaken. Which so are still you, tough. Yeah, but you get Olympiacos, Rangers, PSV Eindhoven would be very difficult. You Ooh, know, Giovanni, Brang, play for. Giovanni Van Grompers, uh, Rangers. Listen, you got Barcelona. Lazio. Lazio yeah. might be there with Maurizio Sarri. Uh, you got Real Betis, who have been very good under Pellegrini. Um, you know, quarterfinals? You, you get Barcelona quarterfinals? Napoli or Leicester could be somebody you face in the round of 32. I could see them getting bounced in the round of 16 when they actually have to face one of the top teams in one of these groups mm. or another team that maybe fell out of the Champions League. This Barcelona team over two legs, I think, can get found out. And and maybe in a one-off, I'd maybe give them more of a chance. Maybe not. But but in 180 minutes, I just don't know. I, I don't have any faith in this team right now. And when Jordi Alba went out, great point by Benj, they put out another center back. So for the majority of the game, they had Araujo, center back, Lenglet, center back, PK, center back, and then Mingueza. And you're not going to get anything going if you don't have any balance, like you can kind of go up and down the field. And so they've got a lot of issues, man. And, and I don't think it's going to get solved anytime soon. So it's quite funny. While Jimmy was saying that, I went on 538. Obviously, nothing's perfect. Um, you know, very analytical approach to it. It should be pointed out that they were saying from day one, Ajax are real contenders. And I think we're all starting to say that now. Uh, they make Barcelona favourites to win the Europa League. Interesting. I don't quite agree with no, that. No, not even close. I don't think so. I think no. there is there is definitely raw materials in that midfield to create chances but I do think it, it comes down to who scores the goals over over two legs so I'm probably maybe more optimistic than Jimmy but it, it really does depend on the luck of the draw I think quarterfinals they've done pretty well semi-finals I mean who knows from there on out but yeah you they need I mean, a, they need a striker you, they need you have that's score 15 goals that's true and they don't have that you got Sevilla that's dropping in Borussia Dortmund that's dropping in you're gonna have Atalanta or Villarreal that's dropping in Porto uh, you got Porto who's dropping in. I mean, you have some, some, you got Sheriff. Let's just put some respect on Sheriff's name. They're dropping in, you know, and, and, uh, and RB Leipzig who have the talent. If they get it figured out, aren't going to be easy to beat over two legs. So I, I, I actually like a lot of those other teams before I'd say Barcelona are the team that are going to go on to win the Europa League. So 538's smoking something. <laughs> <Fucking> <laughs> smoking 538. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. But listen, uh, I, I just unbelievable, uh, by the way. By the way, Bayern Munich are the third team to complete a perfect group stage this season. Uh, Liverpool and Ajax, of course. Before this season, only six teams had managed to do that. Bayern 19 and then 2019-2020 season, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Barcelona again, Spartak Moscow, PSG, and AC Milan in the early 90s. That was a sexy AC Milan team. And Benfica, by the way, took care of business. 2-0 against Dynamo. So well done, Benfica. Uh, before we move on, I did want to ask you, aside from Barcelona, because, you know, Bayern did win. Bayern are amazing. And Byron have gone up my power rankings, everybody. I would go as far as telling them right now, number one. I think Bayern Munich are the best team in the Champions League. I want to hear from both of you, James Bench, what do you think? Well, I mean, my power rankings are the ones that get published on cbssports.com. Yes, so you so... stand on print, my friend. It's in- <laughs> in- um, I had, I've had them and City rotating for a little while. Mm. I, I, the challenge with, with Bayern, I think, is I've not really seen them play many good teams. Uh, but they have to be. They are in that. They, I think there's an elite club of three teams at the 
and maybe Chelsea, so mm. City, Liverpool and Bayern that are, you know, if you don't reach the semi-finals at the very least, this is a real failure based on the squad you've got. Chelsea conceded and three goals consecutively there, James yeah. Baines. Does that worry you or They've, does it matter? Not really, um, but a, a little bit. It's certainly not great. Um, mm. But for Bayern, I think anything less than reaching the final is a massive disappointment. This is this is such a good team that, yeah, it, it's got to be about getting within 90 minutes of the trophy for them. Yep. I, I would say Bayern Munich for sure. City... I was disappointed in their performance against RB Leipzig. It just felt listless in a way that I didn't expect, given that they came in with seven-game winning streak. De Bruyne is coming back into the team. Some of the other players, Grealish in particular, he's starting to get some minutes and get to start right from the get-go. So I'm not as high, let's say, on Man City at the moment. Liverpool, though, and Bayern Munich are maybe the top two that I'm looking at. Madrid, I think, are quietly sneaking around. They only gave up three goals in six uh, group stage games. If Benzema comes back and they're full playing in full power, they look very good. So I wouldn't sleep on Madrid. But but Liverpool had the hardest group. Atletico Madrid, FC Porto, and AC Milan. And not only did they win the group, they smashed the group. They crushed them. Six wins out of six games. And yeah, there were a couple nervy moments where Milan did have them with their backs against the wall at Anfield on match day one. But But... Outside of a little bit of that, they were always in control, and it really speaks to what what they look like when they're healthy. So I think Liverpool are kind of my number one in the power rankings with Bayern Munich a very, very close second. It's only because of that strength of schedule and, and also that how tough their group was. Whereas to Benja's point, Bayern Munich, maybe their group, Barcelona's not on, you know, on pace. They, they put five against Benfica at home and, and five against Dinamo Kiev, like, you know, Liverpool's just had to fight a little bit more in a different way. So I like Liverpool, actually, at the moment. Yeah, no, fair play. Listen, I know this. I was about to bring up Ajax. Uh, and I always say it, by the way, Ajax are amazing. Amazing. I love them so much. Uh, but their group, if we're going to have this argument, wasn't that difficult with all due respect. I mean, Jimmy, back to you. And then James, you add, but what do you give Ajax in this situation? They are amazing. But I want, to, I want to see them play like, you know, a Bayern, for example, or a City. Or a Chelsea or a Liverpool. Listen, what do you think? Well, we're listing off the names of teams that finish in second. Like it could be Ajax PSG round of sixteen. It could be oh, that would be sexy. It could be Ajax Inter Milan. Like we're gonna get we're gonna get some really good matchups. I just want to say for the record, actually, that I think it's gonna be Manchester United versus PSG round of sixteen because they want Ronaldo versus Messi for the last time if they can get it and squeeze as much money out of everybody in TV as possible. <laughs> I just want my conspiracy yes. theory out there as soon as possible. Okay, if I'm taking dibs on that. that PSG needs it's more I, money in their bank. I'm taking dibs on that prediction, by the way. But uh, with yeah, regard to Ajax, with regard to Ajax, they're not a team I'd want to face. Obviously, six wins out of six games. They have that final piece that I think they were lacking last season because they didn't get his paperwork done in time. Sebastian Allaire, or not done in time, they just made a mistake. And they got Onana back in goal, which I think makes a big difference. So now you've got some stability in two very key areas of the field. And in two months, Onada's only going to get more and more sharp and getting back his rhythm with the team. And uh, Eric Ten Hag, obviously uh, a top manager. If they can stay healthy, I think they have a nice blend of players and they got a little bit of depth that over two legs are going to be very difficult to beat. But they're like the, the best team in like the tier two for me. You know, I think you have the Liverpool. I think you have Bayern Munich. City's probably in there. Uh, maybe Chelsea. Real Madrid. But then that tier two team that I think could make a, make a run at it. Maybe Chelsea too, obviously, is defending champs. But that tier two team, I think, would be number one would be Ajax. And, and then you start to throw, you know, some of the other clubs in there, too. Yeah, I had them. I had them fifth behind yeah, sounds right. uh, the, the big four that we can all kind of guess who they are. I just think that football they play is fantastic. Yeah. I think in the end, like, you know, let's say they drew PSG 
I'm going to put my, you know, I know Jimmy wants his, I want, I want Ajax PSG. That would be awesome. I would, I would back Ajax every single time because they're a team <laughs> and they, yeah. they're a team with complementary interchangeable parts. Say Anthony goes down, in comes David Neres, fantastic uh, yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I'll, uh, but we've seen Dusan Tadic do great work as a false nine there. <laughs> this team is, it's a really special group of players. Um, I really like them. And I, I think, I think they are going to be there or thereabouts. It just it always depends on the draw. Maybe they get unlucky in the quarters, but with the with a fair draw, they should be really among the last few teams standing. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, we're getting some comments in. I want your comments, everybody, from this conversation. Write down right now your top four. I know it's a lot of effort, okay? But just if you can, just type it, all right? I want to know. We all want to know what you all think. It can't just be Jimmy, James, and yours truly. And, yes, I'm hearing no love for PSG. PSG gets a lot of love. I I voted for them to win the whole thing at the very beginning. I am not so sure right now. But their biggest objective was just reach the knockout stages. But Jonathan Johnson, who covers this team every single day, has not been impressed. So why should we be impressed above somebody like Bayern, Ajax, Chelsea, Man City, and to Jimmy's point, Liverpool. All right, let's move on because we got some more games. Manchester United tied with Young Boys, 1-0. Very rotated squad. Uh, Des Norris, I think you have the the lineup on the screen. Uh, Rangnick was like, oh, let me play some uh, FIFA with this just because we've already qualified. But he did, uh, you know, Ronaldo was obviously rested uh, because Man United obviously knew what they were doing. But this is the lineup right now. I can't even see it, Des Norris. But, you know, if you can't see it over in YouTube, let me maximize this. Oh, thank you, Des Norris. Dean Henderson, Juan Bissaka, Van de Beek, Mata. Mata? I haven't seen Mata in a while. Wow. Elanga. Amazing. And Robbie Savage's son was in the bench, right, James Bench? I think. Uh, yeah. Was it, was, it was really lovely. I mean, obviously watching the broadcast here in the UK, um, uh, Darren Fletcher, not that one. Uh, the commentator handed over to Robbie Savage to let him commentate on his son playing. For those that don't know, uh, Savage had a great professional career, maybe not one that made him that popular with neutrals, um, but came through the class of 92 uh, mm. alongside the likes of Beckham, but uh, the Neville's, Skulls, Skulls yeah. those guys. But he never actually quite made the grades, understandably, with those players around him to play a first team game for Man United, as far as I'm aware. And for Charlie Savage to get to do that, I thought that was really special. Hoping as well that maybe uh, Robbie's other child, um, you know, maybe this is the start of the sort of Savage family. Um, <laughs> you know, it'd be great, wouldn't it, if they all if they all get those opportunities and uh, Robbie didn't. Sorry, I'm an Arsenal fan. <laughs> well, and I'm an Aston Villa fan and he played for Birmingham City. So, yeah, I've got my own uh, problem. Jimmy Conrad, talk to me about this United side, by the way. They rested a lot of players, but this is kind of the good thing, right? I mean, Brave is the man who deprives Ronaldo of a chance to boost his Champions League numbers, right? Uh, yeah, that's very true. But I think Ralph Rangnick's obviously putting a stamp on things. Didn't even put those guys on the bench. And, mm. and I think that really speaks to what he's trying to do, playing his younger players, seeing who he can trust, see who can handle the pressure and the, and the spotlight. And I thought Mason Greenwood, Took his goal very, very well in this particular game. It's good to get minutes to Luke Shaw. Wamba Saka, I think, might be necessarily on the outs, but I don't know if he's necessarily going to be a first choice outside back under this uh, system of Rangnick. So I'm curious about that. And then you give Wata, Mata, Wata, Mata some minutes. 
uh, I wanted to say, what is he doing out there? Because he's like our age, you know, like 45 <laughs> years old, still out there doing his thing. Your but Vanderbank obviously made the mistake. <laughs> it was like your age. Me, uh, me and Jimmy, yes. Okay, Chase, fine. Okay, ahead. fine. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But, but it was a good opportunity for some of these younger players to get their first real uh, taste of the Champions League or get some real minutes under Rangnick. And then, of course, some of the key players like Bailly and Juan Basaka and, and uh, Vanderbank to kind of prove why they should be in the first team under him. And can they adapt to this 4-2-2-2 system in a way that really sets up nicely? I actually thought that Matic playing him at center back is obviously a bit of a risk, but but uh, I thought Lingard looked pretty good, finding some space between the lines. You know, his his turn and, and finding a pocket ultimately led to the first goal that Greenwood scored. They need more of that. I think that's going to be really pivotal in their kind of transformation from how they were playing into this new system. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, I think, to take away from it. I think Rangnick probably learned a lot about certain players and and who he wants to move and use uh, moving forward. Yeah, three points of a Champions League spot in the Premier League. So, obviously, they want to keep on rolling and rotate that squad as much as they can. By the way, Atalanta Villarreal is uh, scheduled for Thursday for tomorrow, uh, our courageous Jenny Chu there in the snow telling us reporting as it'll be from 1030 in the morning. Des will hopefully throw in an image so you can all see just uh, how snowy it was at Bergamo and, you know, Villarreal fans uh, and Atalanta fans. I don't know. You could have played that, I thought. It could have been fun. <laughs> a, a pink, shiny ball. They just did it. World Cup qualifying in Canada, Canada-Mexico. Yeah, it, it reminds me of that. Do you guys remember the, there was a game in the – Cup Winners' Cup in the year Chelsea won it, like 1998. Oh, yeah. It was in Tromso, Chelsea away, Arctic Circle, and it was genuinely like yeah. they were shoveling the snow mid-game. Jorge Andres literally went pink, I think. He was yeah. so cold. <laughs> and Gianluca Vialli scored the winner with his um, posterior. Well done. <laughs> I mean, I just think, you know, if these players play for the love of the game, then what could be more fun than playing for the love of the game in the snow. Yeah. Jimmy, have you played in this weather, Jimmy? Have you ever played? I did. I had a friendly against Greta Firth who weren't in the top Bundesliga, then second Bundesliga, and it was it was ice underneath the snow, which was even worse. Oh. And we were all really upset that the game went forward because it was just a friendly. There was nothing at stake. It, it was a unique experience, and, and there was a lot of slipping and sliding all over the place. And, yeah, I don't know. You can't really play a proper game in those types of conditions. So I'm glad they called it. Yeah, no, it was tough. But anyway, it's for Thursday. Quick predictions on that one, I guess, if we want to do it again. I mean, I have my own thoughts. I feel like Atalanta, the home crowd, will be the biggest uh, advantage. Villarreal have lost the last three against top flight opposition. Jimmy, thoughts on that game? You think? Atalanta yeah, I like Atalanta. I think there's a lot to play for. And then there's, of course, the obvious joke that Villarreal, the defending Europa League champions, so why do they want to play in the Champions League knockout rounds? They want to drop down and get third, baby, so they can go back and defend their title. Unai Emery and always like to play on Thursday nights, Jimmy. Wildly <laughs> successful on Thursday nights, Unai Emery, any team he's managing in that particular competition. But I think Atalanta, on 11-game unbeaten streak, the fact that they've gotten results away from home against Napoli, getting one in Juventus and Turin for the first time in 30 years. Gasparini's got so many incredible attacking options at his disposal. Villarreal haven't scored more than two goals in a game since, I think, uh, November 2nd, if I'm not mistaken. So if they're struggling scoring goals, and I know Ger Gerard Moreno's back on the team, they're going to need more than one to get past this Atalanta team. They're going to need you know, two or three, and I just don't see that happening. I think Atalanta are going to get the better. I could see like a 3-1 Atalanta. Mm. James? Benji? 
Oh, did he freeze? Did Benji freeze? He, I he like froze. him this way. This, this just, is my favorite James Bench. Just like the snow in Bergamo, uh, James Bench froze, <laughs> by the way. If, you're, uh, if you guys have any prediction watching Atalanta or Villarreal, please let us know uh, what you think is going to happen. By the way, Duvan Zapata and Luis Muriel looked at that and they were like, we want nothing to do with that snow. James Bench is back. James, you froze like the pitch in Atalanta. <laughs> Who do you think is going to win Atalanta against Villarreal? Well, I mean, I'm expecting Unai Emery to just build a big snow wall uh, <laughs> in the coal just to keep the uh, the draw that he will his side will definitely play like for. Like Game of Thrones? Conditions. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking either that or, you know, that episode in The Simpsons where uh, Mr. Burns and Homer are, are stuck in that mountain cabin <laughs> and they imagine their own snowmen armies. Maybe just do that. Yeah, true, true, true. All right, well, listen, uh, let's move on here, but let's talk a little bit about uh, yeah, it's not usually we remove ourselves from the Champions League, but it's definitely worth talking about because it was it just came out today. Obviously, the fear of COVID and the pandemic and the new variant Omicron is uh, seriously uh, polluting the waves in Europe, including, of course, as well, the United Kingdom and Tottenham meant to have a game against Rene on Thursday in the Conference League. That's been postponed due to a COVID outbreak. Uh, talk to us a little bit more about this, James Bench. Uh, you were there in the presser with Antonio Conte before the announcement, but it was obviously uh, coming, right? James Bench froze again. He just keeps freezing. He keeps freezing like his, Atlanta Stadium. His Wi-Fi's uh, got COVID. I know, but let me give you some news on written. that one because I do have a little <laughs> bit of information. Tottenham's... Uh, oh, James, you back? See, this is what happens when you rely on just English talent. They just let you down every single time. Um, COVID outbreak, nine players uh, are out due to COVID, five members of staff as well. Thank you, Des Norris, for that tweet. So, Jimmy, what do you make of this? Uh, Antonio Conte's Tottenham is out, but obviously Premier League scheduling as well is going to be tough here. Yeah, this is a really interesting case. I mean, obviously more details are going to emerge as time goes on. I think the biggest thing... And we talked about this with Bench before we started rolling was just the fear that was in the voice of Antonio Conte when he was talking about it at the press conference that he seemed legitimately scared about what was happening and how everything was transpiring and not really having any answers. And I think that's probably what's most troubling. What what do you do? Okay, you cancel the first game. It looks like the game on the weekend for Tottenham might be canceled as well. But how long do you let that stretch out? And what kind of precedent are you setting? Because over here, just to give it some contrast, over here in MLS, Philadelphia Union fell into the same trap in some ways or however they got their little COVID outbreak and 11 players had to miss the biggest game of the season, yeah, including tragedy. six starters yeah. in their best goalkeeper in the league or one of the best goalkeepers and Andre Blake, Jamaican international. Yeah. They have the luxury, at least for Tottenham to, because it's a, you know, they can move some things around, but for how long? Whereas MLS cup playoffs said, no, nah, you got to play. That's, that's just how it is. So is this the new norm? What kind of precedent are we setting? There's a lot of unknown. I think all of us have a lot of questions, and I just don't know if there's a lot of answers as of yet. Yeah, no, very good point, especially in Philadelphia. Got a feel for Jim Curtin. One game away from MLS Cup, and of course, all that hits. But to your point, and by the way, this happens in December because they were meant to play uh, at this uh, for now. Brighton on Sunday, then Leicester City the following Thursday, then Liverpool as well. Uh, big games, on, man. Yeah, December 19th. It's, it's a lot, by the way. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to come back to Barcelona, by the way, because I did want to talk to you, Jimmy, about Sergio Dest and kind of his 
future, I guess, or his fate. Uh, I was reading some stats in terms of participation. I, I don't know. I, I really want to know what you think. But we're going to take a break. On YouTube, that really means uh, we're coming right back on audio. It's a, a slightly longer break. But Giggle Lasso Champions League recap. We'll be right back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, everybody. Told you we're back. Jimmy Conrad in the house. Hopefully, hopefully James Benj will join us. Uh, a few technical issues, but it's all right. We keep on rolling here. Listen, Jimmy, let's talk about Barcelona once again uh, and Serginio Dest. I'm a little worried about him in terms of, well, first of all, he, he, he definitely got, you know, seen uh, once again. It's not his fault. Obviously, there's a lot going on. But talk to me about Serginio Dest and Barcelona. That's tough. I think the Barcelona situation is a project at this point. You know, they are starting from square one in a lot of different ways under a new manager that wants to play a certain style that maybe they're not capable of. We saw Serginio Dest have a little bit of a dalliance uh, playing at the winger position under Ronald Koeman. He had some successful games there where he was making a difference and getting around the corner and getting some good crosses in. I remember he assisted Sergio Aguero's goal uh, not too long ago. But but in this particular game, it was a matchup between him and Alfonso Davies. And given the way that Bayern is set up and how their system is set up, it really le lends itself to putting Alfonso Davies in these isolated situations where he's got space in front of him. And that's not a good sign if you have Des set up as a winger, which they did, because now you're asking him to track in a way that maybe that's not what Javi wants from him. But then you have that pull as a player going, but I feel like I should follow him. And now you've got your balances out of shape or your team shapes out of, out of whack. And now you've got Des kind of doing half of two different things. So he's not really committed to one job or the other. And mm. I think he just got isolated and they took him out at halftime. And that sucks. And now what's going to happen is in a month, Danny Alves is going to come in. He knows the system. He knows how he's going to play. And I fear that a 38-year-old might be replacing our American international on Barcelona, which hurts my soul. Now, I don't know. Sergino Dest, does, did he look lost? He looked a little bit lost. We saw him get eaten up by Mbappe last year in the Champions League as well. I don't think defending's his forte, so I don't know if he should be completely judged on that. But the Dest stuff is very interesting. I think we should keep an eye on it. Obviously, we want him to play as much as possible, but... We also want him to succeed when he's playing, and I don't think we're seeing a lot of that consistently. Would him leaving Barcelona 
help, do you think? Maybe depends on where Bundesliga. he goes. Right. I was thinking uh, the Bundesliga or even a Dutch team. I don't know. Returning to the Netherlands. Uh, it's not all his fault, right? It's 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 sort of entering a, an already poisoned environment mm-hmm. and him trying to figure himself out. But what do you make of it? Especially Barcelona need to make some money now that they're not in the Champions League knockout stages too, you know? What, what, what do you make of that? Uh, I guess with regard to to his future, I, I don't know if there's any team. I mean, he came up through the Ajax system, so kind of falling into a team that 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 possesses the ball. I mean, we've seen plenty of American players or other players that go to a team. Let's use Josh Sargent as an example. We want to stay on the American international thread. You know, he gets to touch the ball a little bit more. Werder Bremen, you know, in the Bundesliga, get a little bit more action, kind of can demonstrate what he can do on the ball. Then he goes to Norwich, which, yes, I can understand the pull of wanting to play in the Premier League. But in Norwich, he's just chasing around and high pressing for 89 minutes, hoping that something will fall his way. And it's just, are you really putting yourself in the best position to be really looked at and, and can be really show your like your skills and talents in a 360 view? Sure, dude, your work rate's incredible. We, we appreciate that. But because since he's gone to Norwich, he doesn't even get called into the national team anymore. So he has to be regretting that decision in a number of different ways because I'm sure he had other options. So I fear that for Des, like, okay, you might go somewhere and, it, and it, you might get more playing time. But is it really going to showcase what you're capable of in a really meaningful way? I would personally stick it out with Barcelona. I would at least through the summer and kind of see what Xavi has in store for you. I would try to be around Danny Alves and absorb as much information from him as possible and try to grow from that. And hopefully that would help him take those extra steps to continue to evolve as a player. I like it. I like it. By the way, uh, I would love to know from everybody out there, where would Serginho Des prosper the best? Staying at Barcelona, going somewhere else? And always, please... Keep on liking the channel and subscribe and spread the word. Right. James Bench is back. James, listen, we were talking about Tottenham. We got some opinions, obviously, about the scheduling, which is not great. Obviously, Brighton uh, meant to be this weekend, then Leicester City and then Liverpool. Uh, Talk to me. We were talking a little bit about Antonio Conte. He looked a bit worried today in the presser, huh? Yeah, sat in that. It was a very, very strange experience, obviously, in the UK, we've briefly gone back to uh, in-person press conferences, but that wasn't going to happen today. Pierre-Emil Hoiberg didn't join either because there's a real worry and fear around Tottenham. And, you know, we've seen many emotions from Antonio Conte uh, as Chelsea manager and to Milan manager. I'm not sure I've ever seen him give the impression that this is a person that's generally, genuinely scared to be coming into work. Um, we didn't get any confirmation as to whether this is related to the Omicron variant, which is obviously a big issue in the UK and the rest of the world right now. But it it does seem like there is a real worry that this is sort of spreading more quickly than Tottenham can contain, which would suggest it's reflective of of that. Um, eight, uh, the number, I believe, has grown since. But as of this afternoon, it was eight players, five members of staff. Spurs couldn't field a full lineup. The rules uh, UEFA has in place is that if you have 13 members of your list A squad you have to play. Uh, by the end, I think Spurs were down to 11 and weren't going to be able to fulfil this fixture. They won't be able to fulfil the game against uh, Brighton at the weekend. And I think it's fair to doubt the Leicester game as well, which is even more of a problem because that Leicester game is one that you would look at and say, this could get postponed to make room for the the Wren game, which has to be played by December the 31st. Yeah. Spurs have got the Carabao Cup as well, and we all know what the English uh, fixture list is like. I wonder if it might just slip into early January and UEFA might be able to be a bit flexible there. It, it took quite a lot to convince UEFA to, to postpone this game. 
I mean, there's, but then I think in the end, you, a lot of that, when you're in the room with Conte, it all flew out the door. This is a person that was basically saying, look, I'm having to come in to a situation where I know that coronavirus is spreading rapidly and then I'm going home every day and I don't know who it will be next. You know, they've been working on set pieces with the people they thought were, they thought were fit. And then one other player tests positive at the end of the training session. It sounds like a really scary thing that I think maybe people like us haven't really experienced that much over the last two years going into a place, you know, is full of COVID. Um, So the right decision by UA for, it's going to be tough for Tottenham in terms of the fixture list, but I think it's a sacrifice they just had to make. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, So we'll keep track on this one. And by the way, Liverpool suffered around the same time last year as well, when they had, you know, to throw in uh, a lot of different players and, uh, I don't know. It's just it's it's an ongoing thing, obviously, uh, and the pandemic affects everybody. But we're going to keep our track on that one. All right, let's come back to the Champions League Group G, by the way, which was the American one. Well, the Concacaf really as well, obviously. But it was also like the Oprah Winfrey gif, right? Hey, you get you get in, you get in, you get in. But in the end, in the end, uh, Lille kept on rolling. Jonathan David, by the way, fourteen goals in all competitions. Lille. I mean, I know JJ is happy, Jimmy, but. Jonathan David, best striker in CONCACAF? You'd have to throw him up there for sure. I mean, on their day when they're when they're feeling it, I think, you know, we have a shout for Ricardo Pepe. I'm always going to give him some love and Raul Jimenez, of course. But uh, yeah, Jonathan David, probably the best number nine, even though he didn't start against Mexico in that Ice Teca game. They went with Kyle Aaron instead. But even when he comes on as a sub, he did it over the weekend. They didn't start him. He comes on and he scores. You're like, yeah, this guy is on fire. I wonder how much longer he's going to stay at Lille. But fair play to the French club. They've really turned it around. That's now eight games unbeaten. They're starting to find that form. I wish they were counting on Timothy Weah a little bit more to, to be involved. But hopefully that will come in time and he'll get some chances in the knockout rounds. But for them to win this group, which was wide open, is very impressive. Because I think all of us probably had Sevilla slated to win it. So for Sevilla to drop to third, so many draws for them in this particular uh, group of three draws out of six. They just missed some opportunities. I thought they were going to do the business again today or at least kind of show up and say, all right, let's get serious now. No more reindeer games with the kids, okay? <laughs> We're going to go out there and do the business against RB Salzburg. And Salzburg, we're out there. Nice professional performance for a bunch of young players. And it's c- quite ironic in some ways that RB Salzburg is into the knockout rounds and not RB Leipzig, but here we are. Here we yep. are. <laughs> here we are. Yeah, Bench? Yeah, just hopping back onto that Jonathan David talk. I know for a fact that one of the very many teams that are interested in him is Arsenal. And I mean, you look at someone that they, the sort of striker they need who can do a bit of everything. And that is someone like David can play, make a bit has really developed into a top finisher. So uh, I'm sure, you know, Arsenal fans are, um, will be very excited about yeah, you know, interest in him. Um, and they've done business with Lille before, as Des says, when is a Lille to Arsenal transfer ever gone badly? <laughs> well, Gabriel was quite good though. Um, I mean, but this, I mean, this has been a real, you know, the two teams that go through so much verve and talent in their attack. We mentioned Weyer and David, but I mean, Angel Gomez was great today, as I thought as well. Jonathan Ikone, who, from what our own Fabrizio Romano reports, he's probably not going to be there for the knockout stages, but what a way to say goodbye. I thought that assist for Yilmaz was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then over in Salzburg, um, Adi Amy, who I mentioned at the top, fantastic uh, player who can do it all across the front line. And Noah Okafor, I have to say, I didn't know much about him at all, but uh, he's really come through this tournament. Uh, I love his late runs into the box. Um, Salzburg, the thing with them, until the last minute, I just doubted that they had that battle-hardened experience, that winner's mentality that you thought a team like Sevilla would have. You know, they romp the Austrian league every 
every season and they lose some of their most best their best most experienced players every season so i think it it will be a culture shock for them going into the knockout stages and you know dependent on the draw it could be something really tough for them but this will clearly you know this will help attract more players next year uh, it will help um it will help you know develop them into the a team that believes every season that they'll go into the group stages and come out of them and, and re- reach the knockout stages i'm really pleased for salzburg they've been so good for so long and Richie deserved this. Yeah, I think that uh, to Benja's point, not only is it uh, impressive from an RB Salzburg um, viewpoint, because you know a couple seasons ago they had Erling Haaland, then they had Pats and Daka, and they have to keep replacing, especially players up top. Uh, Dominic Zabaslai is another one. And now, when they get into the knockout round, it becomes an advertisement for them and these players in particular to showcase why they should be purchased. You know, And I think RB Salzburg wants that. So all of a sudden, if you've got Salzburg taking on a Manchester City. Holy crap. I mean, they're going to have all their eyes on them. So you have this Kareem Adeyemi, the 19-year-old who has been fantastic. He leads the Austrian League in goals. He leads the team in goals. He had an assist today to Noah Okafor, who, again, is another player that people should be keeping their eye on. Brendan Aronson from a men's national team standpoint will get a good opportunity to be seen. And, and by scouts that maybe aren't paying attention as much, I will say that most scouts are probably paying attention to RB Salzburg. But but there are probably some other ones that I don't have time for that. But when they get out there and they perform against the Man City, per se, and I actually think that RB Salzburg turned heads on match day one against Sevilla when they went in there and took it to Sevilla. They got like 15 penalty kicks in that game, and, and they only scored one of them, and it was a 1-1 draw, but they deserved more from that. So I, I like what's happening here, and I actually think they're not going to be easy to beat over two legs, but they're probably going to run into one of the big boys, and it should be interesting to see how they do. It should be very interesting. All right, let's quickly move on here to Group H, by the way. And then we were thinking, well, you know, Chelsea against Zenit, even though they're away and it's cold, they should be okay. But my goodness, I mean, Magomed Ozdoyev decides to, like, give us some quadruple entertainment with wowing us, equalizing for Zenit, and then putting Juventus up top. And then just scoring an absolute screamer and Juventus winning one nothing against Malmo. Juventus, by the way, were dreadful. I just want to say that right now. Like they topped the group, but they were terrible. So, yeah, so it says a lot. So Thomas Tuchel must be like so angry, James Benj, about the fact that they didn't top the group in the end and then conceded three goals once again. Oh, yeah, he was fuming by all accounts uh, in, in his press conference. Far from impressed. And I know he'd, he'd said in our interview with him uh, before the Juventus game, he was like, you know, not getting carried away at that stage because obviously they had to beat Juve. But he was like, I would quite like to finish top. It does it does actually help more than people think. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have to say from a Chelsea perspective, I haven't seen such woeful defending since... Um, well, since last night in the Ashes, you <laughs> know what I'm talking about from an England perspective. I do, my friend. Don't worry. Yeah, it was incredibly grim. I'm not looking forward to more of that tonight. It, it, it's a great advert for someone like Antonio Rudiger. Malang Saar looked like a player who no one at Chelsea would trust to play regularly. Christensen looked like a player who doesn't really want to be there. Debatable. Um, and I think, you know, that midfield, we knew it wasn't going to be very strong. And whilst Reese James was good, considering, I thought Ross Barkley... He's not. He's not a player for a two-man pivot. Um, it was, you know, what's, what I find really sad though. Timo Werner had a fantastic game where you know so many times we go, oh God, Timo, you've cost Chelsea again, and it's sort of this time he goes and saves them on multiple <laughs> occasions, <laughs> and they still end down at the other end. It's yeah, yeah. more of the heartbreaking ballad of Timo, I have to say. Yeah, but Jimmy, uh, Pulisic got an assist. 
he did get an assist, and uh, I'm excited for him. I, I, I think what's troubling from a Chelsea perspective is just how casual they've been in giving up leads. You know, anytime they'd gone up before, it was that was it. If if Chelsea, a Thomas Tuchel managed team, or in this particular instance with Chelsea, went up, it was curtains. You had no chance of getting back in. Everything was suffocated. They were going to lock it down. They didn't care if they played ugly. They were just going to go get the result. And I feel like they've lost that a little bit for whatever reason. Is it due to injuries? Is it due to personnel? Is it due just to normal kind of wear and tear on these players, both mentally and physically, with regard to having to play, play at that level for a long period of time? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the, the, their schedule, I don't think, is too hard. And Benji can talk about it over the over the break. But it's it's still got to play the games what, once every three days or something crazy. So I'm curious to see how he's going to manage that. Them going into the second seed is very interesting because they could pull a Bayern Munich, which would be devastating, I think, for them to draw uh, a Bayern Munich that early in in uh, the knockout rounds. But it, you know, at some point, they're defending champions. You're going to have to play good teams. And, and uh, you have to beat the best to be the best. I do like, though, what Bench said that some of their bench players didn't really perform today and they had an opportunity to kind of take it with both hands. Very similar to what Manchester United, you know, uh, some of those players had. And I actually remember talking about after match day five, how thrilled I was at how all the English teams won. They did it in really fine fashion. They were in complete control. And then I see match day six and I'm like, man, City doesn't look that great. And Chelsea doesn't look like a team that wants to win this competition. So I don't know. It's interesting. And I know they made some changes or whatever, but these teams put a lot of money into their team to be good in multiple competitions. And I didn't think their depth showed up today for Chelsea. Yeah, no, that's right. Benj, I don't know if you wanted to add anything before we moved on, but match day six is deceiving a little bit because I think uh, maybe, especially for English teams trying to figure sandwich their December schedule. You know, it's kind of the same thing I've been saying about PSG. Just get to the knockout stages and everything else will be fine and dandy. Um, but if you look, and I know we're about to come on to this, if you look at the teams Chelsea were in line to draw and look yeah. at, they only have like four teams I think they can draw now. Well, and my friends, let's go there right now. The round of 16 parts and permutations. Uh, obviously, Villarreal uh, facing Atalanta, still waiting for that one. But part one, Manchester City, Liverpool and everybody watching, please uh, chime in. I would love to hear your thoughts as well. We're getting some great comments today. Like and subscribe. But we got Man City, Liverpool, Ajax, Real Madrid, Bayern, Manchester United, Lille and Juventus. That's part one. Part one is pretty, pretty sexy. Part two, PSG, Atleti, Sporting, Inter, Benfica, Villarreal or Atalanta, Salzburg, Chelsea. So, all right. So, okay. Let, let me, let, let's do this. Jimmy, part one, Man City, Liverpool, Ajax, Real Madrid, Bayern, Man United, Juventus. Out of all that, who do you not want to play? Oh, I wouldn't want to play Liverpool or Bayern Munich. I think. Um, Your top two right there. Yeah. Those top two would be e- easy. You don't want to face those two right now. And yeah, probably with Jimmy there. I think with City, you've always got that thing of, uh, is Pep going to overcomplicate things? Um, <laughs> I think Liverpool, the, those, the other two are just a, an utter machine. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not fancying um, Bayern at all. Uh, yeah, uh, those three to me are, the, are, are probably at a slightly different level to the rest of the teams in that pot. But otherwise, yeah, as we've said, Ajax and Real Madrid don't look too too fun either. I'm praying. I am, you know, crossing everything I've got. Please, dear God, give me a draw against Juventus because they are rubbish. They were terrible today. I'm just going to say that right now. Well, part two then, PSG, Atleti, Sporting, Inter, Benfica. Yeah, to your point, uh, Salzburg, Chelsea. 
I mean, when you're looking at that part two, who's who's the strongest out of all of them, Jimmy? Uh, part two. Yeah. I uh, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna get some people in the chat going. It's got to be PSG, you know. But uh, I think Chelsea, right? I mean, they're the defending champions. Yeah. They would be. They would be my choice. And and I think over two legs in particular, Thomas Tuchel is very good in these types of cup competitions. And and I don't think this is going to be any different. I think he could mastermind another good run. But if they continue to perform like they've been playing over this last week or two, you just don't know. I mean, we're still two months out from seeing how they're gonna how they're gonna be and what kind of form they're in and who's injured and who's not. But uh, I wouldn't want to face Chelsea. I feel like a lot of teams will raise their game against PSG as well, and a lot of teams might just really enjoy, uh, you know, the opportunity to to play against the team where three players aren't really defending. Um, as I've said, you know, I've got my fingers crossed for Ajax, PSG. Uh, Jimmy's right. Chelsea are definitely the hardest team in that pot. I think one that I would say is could, could be a bit of a problem. They've been really bad against Ajax, but sporting when they've been good, have been fantastic. Yeah. I agree. Pedro Gonzalez fant- look, you know, looks like the real deal, pretty solid midfield. I know they're not, you know, not a team riven with superstars and, you know, with the wrong draw, they could, they could lose quite heavily. But I think, you know, if they got a man United, if they got a Real Madrid, I think they'd be playing without fear and could give those teams a, a mighty tough game. Inter as well. They've created a lot of good goal scoring opportunities mm-hmm, in this tournament. Mm-hmm. There's no bad teams in this in this last sixteen. We know that, but um it does feel like there are a lot of good teams in pot two this year, whereas sometimes, you know, there's like half of right. them you're like, Yeah, I'll take them. Unless VRA yeah. I'll get in, of course, because they are yeah. also bad. Yeah. The key obviously will be especially for part two, right, is that first leg, making sure you do everything that you can at mm-hmm. home to mm-hmm. protect something. Don't go too don't concede too much. Or, you know, obviously, don't concede. But if you do, please keep it tight, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Listen, let's do one final game, everybody. Go back. Go back to August or September or whatever it was. And remember your original pick to win the whole thing. Has it changed already? Has it changed again? If you were to tell me a final, perhaps, of the Champions League as we wrap or Asterix wrap the group stage, is it completely different? Is it maybe a little bit the same? Jimmy Conrad, what say you, my friend? What I, was it way I, back I, in I time? I remember what, what I said. <laughs> I, I remember having I remember Chelsea. my winner. I don't, I, the final account, I remember the winner. I don't know. I, if, uh, I have Chelsea winner. winning the Premier League. I don't think they're going to go back to back in Europe. So I would say, I, I believe I went with Bayern Munich uh, to, to win the, the champions league and, okay. and uh, I'm feeling pretty good about that. The final, I don't even remember, but I, I would love to see Bayern Munich versus Liverpool in the final. I think that would be a really thrilling 90 minutes, even though most finals get a little tight and maybe not as fun as we want, but that would be a, a pretty incredible final to see two teams at the top of their game with some of the world's best players. I mean, I think I went for Chelsea to win because that's the sort of clever clogs thing I would do of picking a repeat winner. When that's so hard to do. Um, I certainly think the things that I've taken away from the group stage is that we were all a bit too high on PSG and that we just trusted talent to work it out when the signs are, it's not. Um, and also, and you know, if I was predicting a final now, I, I think partly just letting my heart lead the way a little bit, I think I'd have Ajax in that final. Hmm. Um, it will all depend on the draw. And when we get to the quarterfinals, we'll see, and we can do our brackets and all that. Yeah, William, but you're I, correct. No away goals anymore. It's been scrapped uh, for yeah. this season. So that's that's out the window. But there is still a home advantage and an away, uh, you know, situation as well. I think, uh, in my opinion, just psychologically, 
speaking, that's not massive, but it's definitely something. My original choice to win it all was PSG, but it wasn't because I think they're going to win it. It was more like, if you don't win it, you're a disgrace. Uh, but I, I don't, I, I don't know if I'm completely against them, you know, winning it. Obviously there are complications just the way that they've been doing, but I don't know, man. Bayern Munich are so good. I, but to your point, James, I want to see what they do against uh, Bayern Munich Liverpool would be amazing. That would just be like hell, like amazing rock and roll style uh, soccer football in, in that final. Uh, I love it. I love it. All right. Well, that's that's it, everybody. That is our Champions League group stage recap. We got Atlanta Villarreal tomorrow, so make sure that you tune in on that on Paramount+. Plus. But uh, Jimmy Conrad, thank you, brother. Any final words before we say goodbye? No, this Champions League group stage did not disappoint, and I can't wait for the draw on Monday. It is going to be unbelievable, and I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. But just remember my conspiracy theory, everybody. Manchester United versus PSG in the round of 16. <laughs> I love Messi it. Messi Ronaldo. I love it. I love it. James Bench? Yeah, I mean, what a, what a Champions League group stage this was. I think if anyone had said that a flop West Ham striker would have been the standout player of the Champions League group <laughs> stages, I don't think people would even have picked Sebastian Allaire. People would have been saying, oh, is Simone Zaza playing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or did Andy Carroll somehow get himself into it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Carroll's back at Liverpool. Didn't see that one coming. Um, yeah, it's been it's been really fantastic. And I think we've set the stage for a... A, a very, very good round of 16. If we can ever get it all done, if we can finally get that Atalanta VRL game played and if Jenny Chu can actually make it back in time. With, uh, <laughs> let's let's hope so. Jenny, stay warm and let's hope so. And by the way, we got the weekend preview coming up. And on the Champions League draw day, by the way, we're going to do a live watch of the Champions League. James Bench is going to join. We're going to ask some guests. Uh, Jimmy Conrad, if you take yourself away from HQ, you're always welcome. Of course, it's very early for Jimmy Conrad, but, you know, he never sleeps. He's a man that always works, so we can see there. But we have so much content, so make sure that you stay tuning in with us. I'm tired, everybody, okay? It's a long day. But thank you so much. Champions League, Kego Lasso is over. Don't forget to follow us on Kego Lasso Pod. Jimmy Conrad on Twitter. James Bench on Twitter. LMH Garay. Thank you so much for watching, for listening. And we will see you next time. Have a great, great evening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.